0: Good morning on December 4th, 2020. Thank you for the, uh, thank you, love, another day I've made. The name of this episode is called The Long Haul. The Long Haul. Saints, how long are you in it for? Short term? over the long haul. By saying, what? How long am I in what for? Well, the, the salvation fight. We're closer to the culmination and fulfillment of prophetic and historical things than ever before. From a prophetic view, the weird things science is discovering in outer space and around the world are in line with St. Luke chapter 21, verse 25. There's too many to list here, but look up any scientific phenomena happening with the sun, the moon, stars, and asteroids. These are things you haven't seen or heard about in your lifetime. It's very interesting. These turn of events and denigration of our neighborhoods, our cities and towns and states and countries around the world, they're an attention getter. But they are not supposed to knock a saint for a loop if we're reading the word. The events of the land should not be an unexpected surprise. Now they can be head-turning, but still, yet, it should be an expected occurrence. God is just bringing the past what he promised thousands of years ago. Now you might say, but those prophecies were so long ago and they didn't happen. They'll never happen. Now, if we can't fathom it, It's probably because in this world, we expect things yesterday. Some people think that if someone prophesies today, it should come to pass tomorrow. A prophecy is for the future, whether it's five minutes away or 500 years away. A God sent prophecy is a true prophecy. Remember, still, we're talking about being in this for the long haul. Now, here's St. Luke chapter 9, verse 62 from the NIV. Jesus replied, no one, excuse me, no one who puts the hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. It was talking to somebody who said, okay, Lord, I'll follow you let me go back and tell my family goodbye. So he was putting his family in front of Jesus. If you going to follow Jesus, you have to be committed to him. And you can't say, well, I'm going to take care of this first, and then I'll get back to Jesus. No, Jesus has to be first. So listen to what he says. No one, man or woman, who puts their hands to the plow, in other words, saying, I'm going to follow you, Jesus. And looks back. It's fit for service in the kingdom of God. give me you mean, looks back? Well, I always use this, the um, example of mowing a lawn. Cutting your grass with a lawnmower. Once you put your hand on the thing and you start it, you got to look straight ahead of you. If you look behind you and you look back, you're gonna be zigzagging all over the place and you can't make a straight line. So anybody who says I follow Jesus and looks back at their old life, you're not fit for service in the kingdom of God. You're no help to the kingdom of God And what you're thinking about is your past life. Oh, I used to do this, I used to do that. I used to get drunk on Friday night. I used to hang out with my boyfriend or girlfriend. We used to have sex all the time. If you're looking back at all that, oh yeah, you used to go to the club and dance all night long and go home when the sun came up. If that's what you're looking back and you're saying you're saved, you're not fit. And kind again, of work work in the kingdom of God. All right, it's Proverbs chapter twenty-four, verse ten, from the New King James. If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. I'll say that again. If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. So people, a lot of talk about, oh, I keep falling, I keep falling. Well, that should be your cue. Excuse me, this would be your cue that your strength is small. You can't keep falling, slipping and dipping, and busting your lip. As we used to say in high school, slip, dip, and bust your lip. You can't slip and dip and think that you're strong. He tells you if you faint in the day of adversity, if you give up and throw your hands up, your strength is small. small. That should be a cue that you got to get stronger. Here's Hebrews chapter 10 verse 39 me, verse 37 to 39 for LT. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 37 to 39 for LT. in just a little while, the coming one will come and not delay. And my righteous ones will live by faith. But I will take no pleasure in anyone who turns away. So if you're in it for the long haul, just know that God and Paul himself, who who's giving who, who is a uh, who people say wrote the book of Hebrews. Paul has no pleasure in people who turn away, putting their hand to a plow, like St. Luke, and God has no pleasure in folks who turn away. And then he goes on, go on to say, that um, we're not of the ones who turn away. We're the ones who believe to save another soul. So you don't have to turn away. Don't let anybody tell you a saint has to backslide. No, they don't. You say, well, God, you won't. And there's a Bible on that. In quite a few places, not just one. And I my blowing their leaves. Alright, so as you can see, God, nor Paul, has any pleasure in a person being short-term. Woe to anyone who quits and never completely surrenders to God to go for the long haul. That's right. Can't get slipping and dipping. 2 Peter 2, verse 21 from the NLC. It would be better if they had not known the way of righteousness than to know it and then reject the command they were given to live a holy life. Hmm. Let that sink in. It would be better if they had not known the way of righteousness than to know it and then reject the command they were given to live a holy life. So. If you say you're saved, or well, even if you say you're not saved, and you go to the church and you hear the gospel, and you hear the truth, he's saying it's better for you never to have heard it, never to know about it. Then all of all say, yeah, I heard it, but I, I'm under my own thing anyway. Your life is going to be a mess. It may been a mess for a while, but it's going to catch up to you or later. It's ever so important for babes in Christ to start off right. Now here's four dangerous doctrines folks should look out for. I'm going to kind of digress a little bit. But these are four dangerous doctrines that folks should look out for, especially babes in Christ, if you just got saved. As my pastor calls this one, Christian light. Number two, altar grace. Number three, new age. Number four, inclusion, also known as universalism. Now, before we break each one down, here's another lump in your throat verse, in case anyone tries to outsmart God. This is First John, chapter three, verses nine and ten, it. Those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning because God's life is in them. So they can't keep on sinning because they are children of God. So now we can tell who are children of God and who are children of the devil. Anyone who does not live righteously and does not love other believers does not belong to God period now saints don't let that verse scare you because you know in your life if you're living for God you're not practicing sin you're not going out there and deliberately doing stuff that God doesn't like he said those who are born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning because God's life is in them so if you're saved you don't make a practice of sinning do you? hope not so they can't keep on sinning because they're children of God. And since God's life is in them, you can't live in that old lifestyle comfortably. It won't let you. You try to go back, you gotta leave. You can't do it no more. So he's saying that's how you can tell the children of God and the children of the devil. If somebody's saying and sin and loving it, love what they're doing and just doing it day after day, they don't belong to God. And he's saying, "So a person who doesn't live righteously and doesn't love other believers because it's all about love. If you don't even love other believers, you don't belong to God. So don't be so scared of that verse. If you're doing what God asks you to do and you're being obedient, it's not talking about you. Now, these are... Those examples I gave Christian Light, Ultra Grace, New Age, and Inclusion. They're examples of counterfeits. That's why it's so dangerous to babes in Christ. Satan's bag of Satan's tricks are the same. Or is the same. Because only one bag. Satan's bag of tricks is the same. It's just upgraded from one generation to another. That's all. just to fit in the next generation. But it's the same principle he used in the Garden of Eden. Half truth, half lie. That doesn't change. The same old thing. Half truth, half lie. Here's an example. Genesis is where it started. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 to 6 from the NLT. The serpent was the truest the of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, Did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any tree in the garden? She said, Of course we may eat from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. God said, You must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you'll die. You won't die, the certain replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be open as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. Hmm. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful, and its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it too. Now we have to stop there. Adam, God gave the commandment to Adam. And and in here it says that she gave him some of the fruit and he ate it. And he was with her. So if he was with her, why didn't he open the big fat mouth and say, don't take it? It's not like he was across you know, a couple of feet away and he didn't hear the conversation. He was right there with her. He could have slapped the feet of her hands and said, what do you think you're doing? God said, don't touch it. And she gave it to her husband and he ate it too. So he, he must not, he must have wanted the wisdom himself too. He must have wanted to know something too. It didn't say that he him hard and said, ah, oh, maybe I shouldn't, or maybe I should. It said he ate it. So, anyway, God gave him the commandment and he blew it. And if you know Satan went after a woman, he didn't go after a man. He went after a woman, but it didn't matter because the man was just as a floozy and being a wuss himself. All right, all right. Let's finally look at these four things and point out the parts that seem to have Bible truth, but overall it's a lie. All right, let's talk about Christian light. It tells you how wonderful you are in God's eyes. Now that's the truth part, because you are wonderful in God's eyes. Here's a, here's a scripture for that. A script, not not the scripture, but our scripture. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 from the NLT. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the things He planned for us long ago. So that backs up it being the truth that you're wonderful in God's eyes. Now here's a lie. By only telling the good the Christian light teacher, the, any the Christian light teachers, they lie by way of omission. See, they're leaving out the other part of the gospel, the other part of the Bible, the part about if you don't do right. Well, I get to that. See, you can't skip both of these scriptures just because people don't want to hear them. Like what scriptures? Like St. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. But then I'll say, You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad and its gates wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult and only a few ever find it. Now, if you're a seasoned saint, you know better than this. You know better than listen to Christian light, but I'm talking about babes in Christ. People who just get saved; they don't need to start off with stuff like this, because it will confuse them. Because if Christian light is telling me how wonderful I am in God's eyes, and I have scripture to back that up, but I don't tell them this other side, I'm lying by way of omission, because it's a sin of omission. I'm leaving I'm leaving stuff out. So it's still a sin. It's not just about what you commit, it's about what you leave out to. And also Saint Matthew chapter 7, same chapter, or further down, verse 21 the LT. <clears throat> not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus says, Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. See, so you can't leave out these verses. Here's one more. Pertaining to Christian life. St. Luke chapter 14 verses 25 to 27 from the NLT. A large crowd was following Jesus. He turned around and said to them, If you want to be my disciple, you must, by comparison, hate everyone else, your father and mother, Wife and children. Brothers and sisters. Yes even your own life. Otherwise you cannot be my disciple. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me. You cannot be my disciple. Ouch. Now he's not telling you to hate everybody. He's saying by comparison. In other words your love for me should be so high. It may look like you hate them, but you don't hate them because if they need something, you're going to get it for them. You're going to help them out. But if they don't need anything, you got to make sure you put me first. So don't substitute being with Christ for being with your family. Christ comes first. Now, if you're supposed to go, then go... Maybe you can be some kind of spiritual good to your family. But if it's a matter of God tells you, prompts you to do something, and it's that versus going to see your family, you better do what God said first, and then go see your family. So that's what that's that's about ultra, I mean Christian life. Now we'll go to the next one. Ultra grace it gives you the impression that no matter how bad or how many times you sin, it doesn't count against you because you're under grace. Like I said, this is dangerous to the babes in Christ. If you're a seasoned saint, I I think you know better than that. Romans chapter 3, verses 21 to 25 8 from the NLT. Because once you hear this, if a baby in Christ hears this, they're going to say, oh, wow, listen to this. Okay, Romans chapter 3, verse 21 to 25a. And I'll tell you, But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the commandments of the law, as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Christ Jesus. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, in His grace, freely makes us right in His sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when He freed us from the penalty of our sins. God presented Jesus, Jesus as a sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life shedding his blood. Now you heard all that, right? Sounds like anything goes, right? It's not like, wow. So I'm made right without following the commandments. Oh, this is wonderful. If you're a babe in Christ, that would sound wonderful. Now here's a lie. Only through confession and repentance. now this is not the lie, this is the part they live out. Only through confession and repentance are we forgiven, not automatically. Because first John chapter 1 verse 9 NIV says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So it's not just automatically because I don't have to follow the commandments. Yes, you do. Jesus said in the New Testament, if you love me, keep my commandments. So don't think you can live in any kind of way. And no matter what you do, it's just automatically forgiven. No, what that, just say if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And here's Revelation chapter 2 verse 5 for the NLT. Look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me and do the first works you did at first. If you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. So it sounds like confession and repentance goes along (laughs) with doing something against like God. You can't get away from it. Now here's new age, it's number three. is new age. I had to look that one up to see what they're what they're about. Their partial truth. Their partial truth. Somebody said they'll say, I'm a spiritual person. Now what does that mean In new new age terminology. What does that mean? Another partial truth. They'll say something like. Oh I believe there's a higher power out there. Or some sort of energy. Yeah I believe there's a higher power out there. Or some sort of energy. Another partial truth. Oh, that's what happened to you? It's karma. Another partial truth. You and I have the power to speak and communicate with the dead. Okay, let's start with the first one. I'm a spiritual person. St. John chapter three, verses five to seven in the NLT. Jesus replied, This is when he talking to Nicodemus. Jesus replied, "I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of the water and the Spirit. Humans can only produce human life; they can only reproduce. Humans can reproduce human life, so don't be surprised when I say you must be born again." So you can say you're spiritual all you want. But the only thing we reproduce is human life. That's it. So then what makes you spiritual? Not you yourself. You can't flick a switch and say, okay, now I'm spiritual. (laughs) It don't work that way. The next one. I believe there's a higher power out there. Or some sort of energy. Listen. Why be afraid to call to just call him God of the universe? Why don't you say he's an energy? He, he he's a higher power. Just call him God of the universe. What's so hard about that? It can't come out your mouth? It shouldn't be that hard to come out your mouth. He's God of the universe. He's the creator of all things. What's so hard to say about that? You can say it. Alright. Now I gotta read um I'm gonna read Saying that i read Acts of the Apostles, chapter 17, verses 18 to 32 from LT. Yeah, it sounds lengthy, but a little fast. What's well, say, Acts chapter 17, verses 18 to 32. Now, so Paul stayed in Corinth for some time after that. Then he goodbye to the brothers and sisters and went to nearby, uh, to, I guess it's Centria. Then he shaved his head according to Jewish custom, marking the end of a vow. Then he set sail for Syria, taking Priscilla and Aquila with him. That stopped first at the port of Ephesus, with Paul left the others behind. While he was there, he went to the synagogue to reason with the Jews. They asked him to stay longer, but he declined. As he left, however, he said, I will come back later, God willing. Then he said, Set up from Ephesus. The next stop was at the port of Caesarea. From there he went up and visited the church in Jerusalem and then went back to Antioch. After spending some time in Antioch, Paul went back to Galatia and Phrygia visiting visiting and strengthening all the believers. Am I in the right place now? I'm so, I'm doing a of well the reading on I'm in the wrong place. We'll have mercy. I'm sorry. Let's start again. 17. And I even had a mark too. Okay, he also had a debate with some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers. When he told them about Jesus and his resurrection, they said, What's this Babylon trying to say with these strange ideas he's picked up? Others said, he seems to be preaching about some foreign gods. Then they took him to the high council of the city. Come and tell us about this new teaching, they said. You are saying some rather strange things and want to know what it's all about. It should be explained that all the Athenians, as well as the foreigners in Athens, seemed to spend all that time discussing the lay's ideas. So Paul, standing before the council, addressed them as follows. Men of Athens, I know that you are very religious in every way. For as I was walking along, I saw your many shrines. Me, I saw your many shrines. And one of your orders had this inscription on it. To an unknown god, this god whom you worship without knowing is the one I'm telling you about. He is the god who made the world and everything in it. Since he is lord in heaven, me, since he is lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't live in man-made temples, and human hands can't serve his needs, for he has no needs. He himself gives life and breath to everything, and he satisfies every need. From one man he created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand when they should rise and fall, and he determined their boundaries. His purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way towards him and find him. Though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and exist. And some of your own poets have said, We are his offspring. And this is true. We shouldn't think of God as an idol designed by craftsmen from gold or silver or stone. God overlooked people's ignorance about these things in earlier times. But now he commands everyone everywhere to repent of their sins and turn to him. For he has set a day for judging the world with justice by the man he has appointed. And he proved to everyone who this is by raising him. and he proved to everyone who this is by raising him from the dead. When they heard Paul speak about the resurrection of the dead, some laughed in contempt, but others said, We wanna hear more about this later. That ended Paul's discussion with them, but some joined him and became believers. So they said, What's all this about higher power? That's your higher power. So when you say there's a you say there's an unknown God there's some sort of energy out there and some sort of higher power out there. So, you got to call him the unknown God. And Paul explains who he is. He's the creator of the universe. And that he sets boundaries for every man. Alright, next one. Yeah, I'm sorry about reading that. <laughs> I was in the wrong chapter. Oh boy. Anyway, next one. All, all, somebody says oh that's what happened to you it's karma now the premise for that was stolen by Satan Galatians chapter 6 verse 7 to 8 from the NLT the premise being you reap what you sow here's the verse don't be misled you cannot mock the justice of God you will always harvest what you plant Mm. those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature but those who live to please the spirit will harvest everlasting life from the spirit so you can't mock God I'll tell you later on where death gets reaped Another version has those word, read what you sow. <clears throat> I'll get to that a little later. Now, have some more of the lies they tell you in New Age. I'm sending you good vibes. All right, St. John chapter 15, verse 5 in the NIV. Jesus says, Yes, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. From apart from me, you can do nothing. So you say I'm sending you good vibes. You can't send me nothing. Apart from Jesus, you can't do nothing. That's what the word says. But I don't believe the word. Well, all you gotta do is try it. You say that you have the power to do this and do that. Do it. Let's see it work. It's not going to work. Second Corinthians 3 and 5. That's why I want babes and Crash to be so careful because people are saying this stuff to you and it sounds good, but there's no uh, biblical thing behind it to back it up. So, person, person tells you, I'm sending you good vibes. You love the press. I'm sending you good vibes so you can feel it, but you ain't sending me nothing. You can wish it, but it ain't gonna happen until I surrender to the Lord. Second chapter three verse five at the Not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. See so once again you me I'm telling you to a moment you revive no Com- competence, competence comes from God. Now must. Next one. There's no absolute truth. Do whatever you want. Once again, Galatians chapter 6 verse eight, chapter 6 verse 7 and 8. This time for the NRV. This is the one that has reap what you sow. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man or woman reaps what he sows. Whoever souls to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever souls to please the spirit <clears throat> from the spirit will reap everlasting life. This next one is a partial truth, but it's a lie if anyone makes it safe to play with. It's not safe to play with this. Oh, you and I have the power to speak and communicate with the dead. Alright, here's Deuteronomy chapter 18 verses 9 through 13 from the NIV. When you enter the land, this is God talking to the Israelites back back when he promised them to go to the promised land. He says, when you enter the land, the Lord your God is giving you Do not learn to imitate the detestable ways of the nations that are there. Let no one be found among you Excuse me. Let no one be found among you who sacrifices their son or daughter in the fire, who practices divination or sorcery, interprets omens, Engages in witchcraft or cast spells, or as a medium or spiritist, or who consults the dead. Anyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord. Because of these same detestable practices, the Lord your God will drive out those nations before you. You must be blameless before the Lord your God. This is very interesting. I remember, <laughs> I remember what's well, funny now it wasn't funny then. I remember when on Halloween, I bought candy, you know, for the kids knock on door when they awesome. knocked on door, and the first set of kids that came, and I opened the door, and as I was putting the candy in the bag, I felt this conviction so bad. I mean, this conviction was so strong. Like, don't you ever do this again. And I called after that. I was through Halloween. You said, why? Well, Halloween is Satan's high holy day. Halloween, you said, oh, it's to the kids. That's what you think. Well, I say Satan loves to have truth and have lies. It's all about the dead, consulting the dead, Ghosts and goblins, the witches and witchcraft, all that stuff is of the devil. And God told them a long time ago, had nothing to do with that. I read these things again. Let no man, excuse me, no no one, no one, let no one be found among you who sacrifices their son or daughter in the fire. He said, What's that? Well, people used to sacrifice their kids. To to the false god Moloch, and they put him through the fire. I don't want to go through the whole thing what it was, but it was like half man, half beast, made of metal, and they put tar in it. I'm telling you anyway, (laughs) and they put tar in it, and it made it hot. And people would sacrifice their children, and his arms were stretched out. They either would put the children on the arms. Which was all metal, so that would be hot. Or for the kid in fire. So he said, "Don't let it be found among anybody who does that, or who practices divination or sorcery." See, so said, that's a bad thing. Interprets omens—that's a bad thing. Engages in witchcraft—that's a bad thing. That's mind control. Or cast spells. Hello, Harry Potter. Or who is a medium or spiritist? Or who consults the dead? Now, what was that line I said about the New Age thing? You and I have the power to speak and communicate with the dead. What the God say here he doesn't like? Anyone who consults the dead. You say, well, isn't, wasn't that the Israel? Yeah, he was talking in to Israel, but that still goes for us. If he doesn't like it, he doesn't like it. If he didn't like it then, well, what makes you think he likes it now? He's the same here, saying same saying more, right? That includes his love and that includes his justice. He doesn't like it. Matter of fact, he called, in here he calls detestable. And he said, that's the whole reason I'm kicking them out and giving you the land. Because they're doing this kind of stuff. So obviously he doesn't like it. All right, number four. I said, well, the inclusion, also known as universalism. Now this garbage says that everyone is going to heaven no matter how they live. Well, this of inclusion needs to be exposed. Once again, young people in Christ look <clears throat> out for these things. If you're a seasoned saint, you're not supposed to be involved in the garbage. Well, if you're a seasoned saint, you won't be. And if, you're, if you call yourself a seasoned saint and you're involved in this, then you're really not a seasoned saint. Say <laughs> so in Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 again. I said this one before, I'll say it again. And I'll see. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small as the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Mm. So remember, you said, What well, do you mean only a few find it? There's a lot of people going to heaven. No kidding. There's a number that no man can number, that's true. But compared to the population of the earth, it's a small percentage going back with Jesus we just have to understand that. Yes, there's a lot of saints going back with Jesus, but compared to the population of the world, all those who've gone on before, who didn't live right, it's a small percentage. Alright, St. Matthew, chapter 25, verses 31 to 46 in the NLT. I'm going to read that one too. Let me make sure this time I'm in the right place. 25, verse 31 to 46, 31, okay. But when the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, then he set upon his glorious throne, all the nations will be gathered in his presence. And he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep and the goats. He will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those on the right hand, Come you are blessed by my father. Come, excuse me, come you, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous one will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink. Or a stranger and showed you hospitality. Or naked and gave you clothing. When do we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did to one of the least of these my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Then the king, in turn, will turn to those on the left and say, Away with you, cursed ones, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and the demons. For I was hungry, and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty, and you didn't give me drink. I was a stranger, and you didn't invite me into your home. I was naked, and you didn't give me clothing. I was sick in in prison, and you didn't visit me. Then they will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or strange or naked or sick or in prison? See, and I and not help you. And he will answer, I tell you the truth. When you refuse to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you are refusing to help me. And they will go away into eternal punishment. But the righteous will go into eternal life. We will have mercy. So just to add to that, people say, oh, it's not, nothing eternal. You hit the fire and puff you're gone. Oh, no. He said eternal, that meant to help him. And this was in relation to inclusion. So people talking about, oh, everybody's going to heaven, no matter how they lived. Because God's too loving a God to put everybody in hell. Well, that was Jesus talking there. So, saints. Be in this for the long haul. Not short term. We must take the not-so-pleasant things with the, with the pleasant things. Before we can have our ice cream, called everlasting life, we have to eat our vegetables, which is life on Earth. It's not fun, but it's true. Stay in the race, be diligent, and run on, so you'll see what the ends are going to be. So I hope you all have been blessed. And just remember, I'm not after anybody to knock them over the head. I just want folks to be careful what they're doing and have a to do their job. You get seasoned, do what you have to do. It doesn't matter who doesn't like it. Cause we want our ice cream when this thing is over. I know I do. And I ain't talking about Rocky Road or strawberry or vanilla or cookies and green I ain't talking about that stuff I'm talking about everlasting life because I want to forget all about this world thank you Lord Jesus and according to Isaiah 65 and 17 we're going to forget about this world when we get to new one we're not even going to rem- remember this place and that's fine with me Well, you all say blessing the Lord and be in this for a long haul. Not short term. God bless you.